Welcome to the Ego Education Podcast, an ongoing conversation about English education in Canada and Japan. Hey, Anesh. Hey, Paul. How's it going? Real good, John. Yourself? Oh, doing great. Doing great as always. Got another episode here. Always excited to get into it and uh, see what you guys are doing and get talking to our guests. So, And wherever you are in the world, we got a good hefty amount of snow today, which was nice. Not yes. sure about Vancouver, but... Uh, hey, we had snow earlier in the week. Uh, it snowed <laughs> through the night. It was there in the morning. And by the time I had a free moment, it was gone. Gone. There you go. Um, so I, I was happy to build a Yuki Daruma, a nice snowman the other oh, day, yeah. which was fun um, with my daughter. And uh, yeah, I'm excited about uh, today, but um, you know, this week has been a, an eventful week. What's been going on with you, John? Well, let's see. Uh, as you probably know, I think I mentioned it last time that uh, I was putting together those videos with uh, Talisman Corporation about business English. So the first episode's been released, which is pretty exciting. And this is, of course, on Talisman Corporation's uh, official YouTube website. Talking This video we just was released, uh, we talk about what business English is, how it's different from casual English, and reasons for using it. So that's the first of a number of episodes that are coming out. And on December 17th, I'm going to be moderating in a clubhouse room specifically for We Global Kenkyujo, which is a We Global Lab. So basically, We Global is a community for bilingual professionals to develop their careers and network in, from, and to Japan. So that's going to be on December 17th. Uh, I think it's 9, 9 p.m. Japan time, which, I mean, our audience is all over the place. So I'm just going to say uh, coordinated universal time is noon. And uh, that also happens to be my birthday. So that's going to be an interesting way to spend the birthday. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, how about you, Paul? What's going on with you? Well, I'm working on, uh, as I said earlier, assembling uh, an online course. And it's come a long way quickly because I had developed a course for uh, the Juilliard Music School in China in the summer. So I had all the materials. So now I'm just assembling it on an online platform. And it's really exciting because I think it's going to be ready in January. It's going to be ready pretty quickly. Um, oh, that's awesome. And that's really that cool because I, I get contacted by a lot of students who want help, but they can't afford private coaching, the kind of coaching we all three offer. Uh, it's just beyond their means. But an online course that I can price you know, at a reasonable rate and make it accessible to more people. Uh, that's kind of exciting because, because in the end, you know, I love teaching and helping mm. people learn the language and I don't care what country they're from or what economic status status they're, they're in. So that's kind of exciting to be able to reach people of, uh, challenged means, let's say. Um, but anyways, that's exciting. It's made progress quicker than I thought, but it's, it's been a lot of work, but that's exciting. I love it. Cool. Um, as for me, I'm just uh, similar to you. I've, uh, gotten so much interest in the last year of 
know, it's, it's been a struggle for a lot of teachers and, you know, it's, it's been rough just trying to become an edupreneur, an entrepreneur. And, you know, a lot of students are struggling finding students and like, what do I do? And what's my niche topic? And so, you know, I'm like, well, I have a niche, you know, we, we help Japanese English learners and often English learners from all over the world specifically learn, teach them how to make any city their classroom. And so I'm going to be in the new year having a course for any teachers who want to learn how to make their city, their classroom. So, you know, in an industry where it's difficult to make money and, you know, I'm, I'm really excited to be able to offer this kind of unique program that, you know, teachers will be able to make a decent income doing experiential language immersion learning out and making their city, their classroom, and hopefully even in the winter, (laughs) seasons if they have snow um so that's me and that's what's going on and speaking of uh being a language coach as all three of us are and um developing new things and doing great things online our guest today john yes our guest today is riku miyazaki so riku was born and raised in japan and when she was in high school she studied abroad in canada for about a year Based on what she learned during her study abroad experience, she started using social media to share her experiences. Now, she's preparing to become an English coach. So I'm very excited to get the chance to chat with her and hear about her story and all the things that she's doing. So let's bring her Shall on. Shall we? Okay. Yeah, Absolutely. Yay! Hey. Hi guys, how's it going? <laughs> thanks for it's, inviting me. Thanks for coming on. Yeah. I yeah, really like is... that you have a Canada flag behind you, Riku. Oh wait. Yeah, here. Oh, you do have one. Oh, I was being yeah. sarcastic. Oh yay. <laughs> See, there it is. There it is. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> the country that no one's paying attention to. <laughs> but it's in the north, which is good. Hi. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's great. Very international, yeah. though. Mm-hmm. What you got going on behind you? Where, where are <laughs> you now? I'm in Japan now. What city? Uh, do you know Kumimoto? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, so I'm Kyushu. there. Kyushu. Kumimoto, that's Kumimoto. Yes. Uh, Kumimoto-jo, right? Mm-hmm. Kumimoto-jo, right. Oh, it's a beautiful castle. And uh, Basashi. Basashi, yeah, it's Oishi. really good. Oishi. Nice. Um, I've been to Kumamoto. I, I loved it there. Everyone was super friendly and I, I got to meet, um, Kato Kiyomasa. Oh. Who is that, Riku? It's, uh, uh, his samurai, right? Yeah, Kato Kiyomasa yeah. and Musashi Miyamoto. Mm, wow. Mm. <laughs> All actors playing, <laughs> playing themselves um, at Kumamoto Joe. Anyway, yeah. Kumamoto is awesome. And let's jump into it, Riku. Yeah, yeah. I'm so excited. Absolutely. So, uh, well, one thing we wanted to ask about is, is, you know, when we were getting your bio together, you said that in Canada, you realized a lot of things. So, can you tell us what some of these things, what the, some of these realizations were? Okay. So before I went to Canada, um, I thought my English was really good because I got like high score in every like English test at school and stuff. 
So like, and then I had confidence about my English, like grammar and pronunciation and everything like that. But like when I went to Canada, I realized, oh my gosh, like my English wasn't good enough, you know, to have communicate with people. And then I was shocked about that. And that's one thing. And also I didn't know like um, any Western culture. So like I grew up like in Japanese, like a really Japanese, like a style family. And then I grew up like a really strict like family and then i didn't know like any freedom kind of but when i went to canada <laughs> i, I realized like, freedom. Freedom. i've been in a cage my whole life suddenly <laughs> i'm in high school and i'm in another yeah. country yay <laughs> yeah <laughs> that was fun yeah yeah no it's exciting because i remember when now can you remind me where in canada mm -hmm. was it that you ended up and studying uh, and staying in. <laughs> I was in Flesherton, Ontario. Okay. And can you tell us where Flesherton is exactly for those of us who don't know? <laughs> um, <laughs> those of us Ontarians who don't is, know. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> so it's kind of close to On Sound. Okay. Okay. Yeah. On Sound, I know. <laughs> and it's countryside. <laughs> right. It doesn't sound like the big city, does it? Flesherton. <laughs> I've yeah. never even heard of it. Yeah. So how how was that? I mean, going from going from Kyushu and then, and there to such a small, relatively quite small place in in Canada. Yeah. That experience. I mean, what I mean, was that like? Kyushu is not that big city. So like kind of Inaka, right? Mm -hmm. And kind of like I imagined Inaka is like a Kyushu, but like Flesherton is like a more Inaka. So like. Wow, you know, nothing there. But it's like a really beautiful, you know, <laughs> like nature yeah. and stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Did you yeah. actually choose the location or was it part of an exchange program that, oh, this is a sister city in Kumamoto in Flesherton. They had like a relationship. Um, Actually, that was like a um, exchange, but it's not Kumamoto to like Flesherton. It's like Japan to Canada. And I could only choose Ontario or Manitoba. And I chose Ontario. Oh, so within Ontario, you didn't have a choice. Just wherever they sent you, that's where you would go. Uh, right. Uh, so you were yeah. in Flesherton in high school and you realized uh, that uh, what you thought was great English wasn't enough to communicate with your friends and classmates. So what mm -hmm. did you do? What was your reaction to that? How did you respond? Um... At first, I was like really shocked and I couldn't do anything because I thought like my English was good enough to talk with people. But then like everything kind of like, a, you know, destroyed kind of like, you know, my confidence and my English. And I couldn't I was like really scared to like talk to people because they were like judge me or something, I thought. And in that small like town or like village or whatever, like um, they have never seen Asian people before. So they're not used to like Asian English. So it was like a really hard to like have Japanese accent and, you know, Japanese type of like a um, talking style. So I had to change everything that I had. And I tried to change my pronunciation, my like how I speak and stuff. And then finally, like I could talk to people. Like I had a confidence and I could talk to people. So how do you go ahead? Because you didn't have so much support there. You didn't have like a language coach or teacher, Paul, or, you know, John there to 
to motivate you, guide you, say, it's okay, your accent's beautiful. You know, it's them that they've got to get used to listening to you. Not you have to change for them, but you kind of had to figure all this stuff out on your own, which is right. why I think you're going to be a great language coach in the future, um, if not already. And so how did you navigate that? How did you say, okay, I need to change who I am, or I need to change my accent, and I need to, or did you just kind of like parrot or copy how people talk and say, all right, okay, yeah, okay, okay, yeah, okay. Like, how did you do that? How did you figure things out on your own? Um, so at first, like, I couldn't talk with people, right? So I was like really shocked, and I was always like alone. And but like I didn't like that. I want to make friends and I want to talk to like a lot of people. And my host family was really really nice. And my host mom was like a French teacher in elementary school. And then she went to France for like some years or some months. So like she had experience of like studying abroad in another country. So she helped me a lot. She right. could understand my feelings and everything. And she gave me some advice and stuff like that. And she taught me like. Um, English and grammar or like she even like helped me in my homework and stuff so I could talk with her a lot and she could help me a lot of things and I kind of like I copied what she said or what my friend said or my teacher said and stuff like that and I became like a good English speaker I guess nice mm -hmm. so one thing that uh, I think all language learners have when you think back on our experiences, I'm sure all of us have had this, is kind of an aha moment when things just seem, when you realize that, oh, I can do this now. So, uh, for example, whether it's, you know, ordering in a restaurant or making friends or something like that, like that, that very strong memory. So I'm curious, do you, do you have like one specific memory when you realized after you were putting all of this work in back in, in Canada that suddenly you could make friends or connect in some way. Mm. What um, was your aha moment? Yeah, aha exactly. Moment. Your aha moment. Exactly. Aha moment. Um, Light bulb. So, mm, so like first, uh, when I talk to people, like they, like every time I speak, they said, what did you say? Or like, can you say that again? Or something mm. like that. But like at one time, like, um, I think my pronunciation got better. People like didn't ask me anything like questions about me. Like, yeah, that was kind of aha moment for me. That's a good affirming thing for yourself. Mm -hmm. as like a confidence. Wait, you understood what I said? Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, it's amazing. When I was living in Taiwan, Riku, I would, you know, I, I basically learned Mandarin in like six months, but I would try and convince people that I was half Taiwanese and say, oh, well, Baba is not Taiwaner. And say, oh, my dad is from South Africa, but my mom's Taiwanese. I know I don't look Taiwanese, but that's why I can speak Mandarin. They go, oh, that's why you speak really well, but you don't look like it. And then once people was like, oh, they were convinced that I was half Taiwanese, <laughs> then I was like, okay, they believe me. Cause you speak with, you know, we speak with such good accents or we, we spoke in, we had a cultural understanding of, you know, of the way people are, what they eat, what they, how they behave. And um, that was it. What did you guys have a realization like that in Japan when you guys learned Japanese or when you were in Japan, Joe, John, Paul? 
<laughs> yeah, I would that. say the, just <laughs> not eat his essence. No way. Mm. I, I would say just once I got to the opportunity of of being able to have conversations with people, and this this was actually a, a fair um, length of time after. But once I I went back to Japan a few years ago for uh, for a conversation, and not. Well, I had clearly I had conversations when I was in Japan. I mean, I went back for a vacation. I see I'm mixing up my words now, and I, I went to this I went to this little this tiny bar. And of course, as you know in Japan, there are all these tiny little specialized bars everywhere that I went into, and they all kind of look you know. Then the, there were no other visible foreigners there. Everyone was Japanese. Right. And they'll kind of look at me and start to get it, you know, maybe a bit of a concerned face because they're wondering, oh, oh, this, this, this guy, Kokujin, how are we going to speak to him? How is he going to be able to communicate? And when I spoke in Japanese, um, again, not perfect Japanese, but enough, you know, there's kind of that relief. And, and some of this, the staff mm -hmm. behind there were saying, oh, oh, you know, it's, it's so good that you can speak Japanese. You know, you get foreigners in here and they can't communicate at all. And, and just kind of getting that reinforcement, it's like, yeah, it mm -hmm. feels very, very good. So for me, that was another kind of reminder. And even though I had been away for some time, I was still able to do that. So I felt good. That felt very good. In my yeah. case, I can't say I had an aha moment, but I had a sort of realization moment. I had studied Japanese in university. Mm. And then when I, I think it was the first time I visited my in-laws, Riku, my wife is Japanese. So I visited her family in Japan. And they live in Aichi. And this was when my wife and I were still just dating. And I visited for the summer and I spent three months there. And my wife was working. So she was busy during the day. So that left me at the family house with her mother, <laughs> who had zero English. Nice. And so mm. my wife would help me uh, translate during breakfast. And then she'd go to work and leave me with her mother. I'd kind of shy away to a room or, you know, take a really long shower for a while and avoid mother-in-law. She's very wonderful. I just, we're afraid to communicate both of us. But then we started getting our, um, you know, English to Japanese, Japanese to English dictionaries in front of us and started having conversations, you know, and she's thinking uh, this is a potential son-in-law. I want to ask some serious questions like, you know, what are your family plans? What are you, do you like children and all this kind of stuff. And we started having these really nice conversations. Um, and then she was saying, oh, but, you know, you're in school. And uh, I said, yes. And she I understood that she said, um, what are you studying? And I said, I'm studying this and this and this. But when I'm done school, I think I'll be an English teacher. And I, I was able to use Japanese future tense. Nice. I think, I think I'll be an English teacher. Mm -hmm. And she goes, oh, interesting. The next day, had breakfast with my wife and her mother. My wife left. I scurried away to my private room. And then about 11 o'clock, a knock on the door came. And uh, mother-in-law says, Paul, come here, come here, come with me. And she takes me into the living room. And there's like eight housewives sitting around a table. And I'm like, holy, <laughs> what is going on here? <laughs> nice. And she says, Paul, English class. So she, <laughs> so she thought, when I, I said, I, I will be an English teacher in the future. She thought I meant tomorrow. <laughs> so that's when I learned my Japanese was not good enough. 
but that it was time to become an English teacher. I had no choice. They were waiting. So we, that was my very first English class in my life. And you know what's interesting about all four of our stories? All of these experiences happened in context, whether yes. you're in high school or a restaurant or, you know, in the living room trying to figure out, you know, okay, <laughs> what's for dinner tonight or, you know, or in my case, just being immersed in Taiwan. And so the fact that we know, all of us know immersion is the key. Mm -hmm. You have yep. to be, you yep. know, surrounded by it or Enrico's choice, almost no choice in Flesherton, you know, you had to use it. You were surrounded by it, which will lead us to our next question, which is with the world of Instagram and Rico's done an amazing job online, you know, reaching so many people, making so many amazing, you know, so much amazing content and videos and how to learn this sentence or that sentence and, you know, what's there's no real life immersion or, or or context for students to to learn so the next question john why don't you fire that up yeah well the question is really just how can language coaches best use social media and and what what should we do with it mm. now i mean riku you have this what is it? Uh, I, I, correct me if I'm wrong. I think it's what five thousand followers on Instagram and eight thousand on TikTok. Do I have the numbers right? Is that uh, recently I got six thousand followers on Instagram? Okay, so Great. six. Yeah. Congratulations. Okay, so even better. <laughs> so I was low. <laughs> yeah. So so clearly this is something that you're an expert in. So yeah, how can how can language coaches best use social media? Social media is um, good for like reaching a lot of people to know like that person, right? And I think like recently because of social media, it's easy to learn like other languages, like English and like other languages too. And people can see like our um, post like easily, right? And they can learn a little by little. It's really hard to like immerse themselves like to like just English. Uh, environment right so like it's not like perfect but like it's good way to like get interested to like other people or like um kind of like learn a little by little and now i kind of like recommend uh, japanese people to do like a like talk to yourself in english because it's really good right and in especially in japan like not many people speak english like we speak Japanese all the time, right? So it's good to have like a little bit of time uh, a day to speak English by yourself, you know, even though they don't, they don't have like any friends who can speak English, but you can do it by yourself, right? Could you so, give me an example of what, 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 what is something a student could do on their own? Give me a sentence or something. Okay, so for example, like uh, if I wake up, oh, it's time to wake up or like it's time to get up or like it's like uh, 6 a.m. or 7 a.m. Like start in the morning and good morning. And I say like, um, like I say a lot of things in English by myself. Like when, I, when I'm eating lunch or breakfast or dinner, like I say, I'm eating lunch or I'm eating pasta for dinner or whatever. Like they can use English a little in a day, you know, just a little bit. Mm. But like, like, I think it's important. It's almost like self-journaling while you do your day, while you go through <laughs> Right, your... right, right. <laughs> Journaling. That's cool. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. And I and I saw a number of your, your videos. I, I watched some of them with uh, the the 
the reels that you have of just replaying a couple of sentences. And there were ones where you're kind of testing them. I remember, I think it was when uh, you, you would say something in, in Japanese and then with a countdown and then say the, right, right, say right. the English. So mm. what was it? Uh, uh, Netsugaru, countdown, <laughs> two, one. I right. have a fever. Kind <laughs> of to right. encourage them to 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 listen and repeat, and the and the uh, the skits that you did with a couple of your your collaborators, I guess there was what mm -hmm. uh, mm. Jason, like classic Jacob? Jason, it's classic Jacob, sorry, Jacob, classic yeah. Jacob. <laughs> so a lot of fun, kind of showing them and showing them in context with these conversations mm. and these skits. Right. Yeah, very creative, very Thanks. creative. Yeah. So. What um, Riku. When, when, and why did you start mm. doing the uh, in, using social media to share English, to teach English? In a sense, when did um, when did you get that idea? That that what aha was your aha moment? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and social was it connected media, I with Nana this? or yeah. no? It actually like I started like last year, like last November actually, and then uh, at first I started like for just a hobby of mine. Like I saw a lot of like English accounts and then I, I thought, oh, maybe I can do that for me, you know, my study. And then I decided to make like a note kind of on Instagram mm -hmm. for me. I said it for me. And then when I get like a doing like a post and stuff and some people said, oh, this is useful. Like, thank you, Riku. And I was like, oh, like, you know, that's good. And then I decided to change to like a post. It's not for me. It's for like Japanese people you know? Mm. Yeah. And now I want to be like English coach. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Are you going to do uh, online coaching? Like, <laughs> online uh, you, coaching. You... Nice. That's awesome. Well, yeah. I have a question for you, Riku. Okay. So kind of going to back to, you know, like you said, you got into this because there's some content there, but you know you wanted to create more content, and it's kind of part of your own learning journey. As you're, because I always say the best way of teaching is is the best way of learning is teaching and sharing with others, right? Right. So and so my question to you is: is with all of this access to so much content out there, and students, you know, scrolling and scrolling and scrolling through social media content. Is this really helping Japanese learners improve their English? Like, I know you said, like, you know, moment by moment or day by day. Have you gotten feedback from other students or have you been able to see results from students saying, oh, this is actually helping me a lot? Or, mm, yeah, I uh, received some message from my followers and said, uh, I think, like, my post um, kind of like motivated them to nice. learn English every day because I post it uh, almost every day and I mm. do like a hitorigoto eikaiwa and I test them, right? So they, uh, some of them like feel like, oh, I have to remember it. And next day they will like a check, you know, if I remember right or something like that. And some people say, oh, I got one or I got two, or I got three. And they're kind of like, a, you know, having fun with them. That's awesome. Yeah. It's nice when you get that feedback, right? And mm -hmm. you're like, oh, you're using it or, oh, this is helping. And I guess the yeah. benefit of TikTok is they can actually duet. Mm -hmm. right. right. And they can actually copy after you or they can answer <laughs> your questions. You can ask them a question and then, you know, they can talk to you. Um, and so my second part of that question, because there is all of this online content, um, 
what's your biggest frustration with kind of online learning or, or Instagram learning? Do you have any frustrations that you've experienced doing all of this online? Mm, so it's online and I can't like see my followers like, you know, face to face. Right. Mm. And it's not like a coaching yet. So like I cannot like immerse themselves to like just English. Right. So I don't know. Like I think they're doing like okay by themselves. But like sometimes I'm kind of feeling that maybe like it's kind of difficult to, you know, to them, for them to like speak English by mm. themselves kind of, you know. If I do like just on or Instagram or like online stuff, yeah. So yeah, that's cool. yeah, one thing. Interesting. Nice. So so with that, with kind of that realization that that's one of the challenges you're facing. Mm -hmm. Do you think uh, does that give you some thoughts about how you might do things? Maybe I don't know, slightly differently, or supplement it with with coaching if you're going to be doing for example one-to-one -one courses or group classes or something maybe it's kind of like hey you know this is something else and added on to what you're doing with all of the all of your followers maybe gatherings of some kind or something mm. like that yeah i'm thinking like a one-on-one -on -one coaching or like a group coaching stuff and i like i want to teach them like how to study English like by themselves like I don't want to coach forever to them you know what I mean like mm. they have to like a uh, um, study by themselves right at the end so like I want to make them like that kind of Does I that love make sense? it I totally <laughs> get it because that's exactly yeah. what my goal is is we mm -hmm. say you know we're trying to develop we're, we want to teach them how to learn Mm -hmm. Right. And become autonomous learners so they can learn by themselves. You just show them, you know, how they can best learn. Mm -hmm. And then they just got to keep doing that, like rinse and repeat, keep going and keep going. Right. And then right. kind of, okay, my job is done, you know, and then help more people. Is that what you mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 That's exactly Mm -hmm. the, the, that's the goal. That's the goal really yeah, that's in the the goal. End for any, any coach or any teacher. So, um, so going back to what you said earlier and from your experience of when you came to, to Canada and realized that your English wasn't, uh, wasn't perfect. Uh, I guess, I don't know, I might say something about the way you were learning English and how that was. So, so I had a question for you. Um, yeah, about the the things that. So coming back to I think it's a different to that, question, right? Well, it is, but I'm but I'm I'm, I'm going so, somewhere with this. Don't okay. no worry, I'm going. I, I have a plan. I have a plan. Uh, so going with that, right? What that means is that maybe you're not the only Japanese person who's faced that, and maybe that has something to do with the education system i don't know what 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 would you what what are your thoughts about about the the education system maybe and when it comes to english at least especially mm. as you got out of it in yeah. high school right yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> um so actually i started learning english when i was three years old so like before i went to canada i've been learning english for like over 10 years then I couldn't speak speak it so like 
that was crazy, you know? Like, I thought,、um, I mean, before I went to Canada, I thought Japanese, like, English education was the best or was the, that's it, you know? But, like, and we studied, like, grammar and reading most of the time and not、mm-hmm. speaking or pronunciation. Like, they didn't, they didn't teach me grammar or pronunciation. So, I didn't think that's important to speak.、Mm-hmm. I just、mm-hmm. learned like a grammar a lot and like stuff like that. So, that's the problem, I guess. Because, like, if you want to communicate with others, like, you should speak, like, and you have to get like a right kind of pronunciation, you know? Yeah, it's kind、yeah. of like the、um, analogy I've heard and used myself. You know, if you want to learn to ride a bicycle, you have to just go, you know, read a manual and read manuals on how to do it and, and, and you know, take tests and things. Is you just go and ride a bicycle and fall off a few times.、Yeah. And that's kind of how you, how you do it. And it's kind of the same way with communicating and speaking in English. So, so that leads me to the question that I was building up to.、Uh, so, if you, We're in charge of English education in Japan. Considering all the experiences you've gone through, what changes would you make? Ooh, Riku is now the education minister,、yes. minister <laughs>、exactly. of education, Riku. That's、wow. right. That's right. That's a good question.、Um, hmm. Send everybody to Canada. <laughs> yeah, that's really good. <laughs> yeah, but I think like,、um, going abroad is a really good experience for them, right? Especially Japanese, you know, like in Japan, it's really like a limited, you know, sometimes like people want to learn English really hard, but the environment is not right, you know. So, like, at least one time they should go abroad and see how the world is, you know, it's not just Japan, like, they have to see the world, right? So, like, I would say I will、um, send students to like another country. And see the world, and they were like, thought something. Because, like,、uh, when I was in high school, junior high school, I was like really shy and I didn't know how to like、uh, talk to strangers or like stuff like that. But, like, when I went to Canada, everybody talked to me, like, even though they're strangers, you know? And that's awesome. And they're like really open minded and like they try new things a lot. I mean, Like Japanese people, like some of them, they try new things, they like to do that. But like sometimes they're too shy to try new things and do something like、um, new thing, right?、Mm. So, like in young age, they should know, you know, it's not about like it's not all in Japan. Like they should see a lot of like a world and like do a thing like differently, you know?、Mm. It's interesting that you mentioned that. And it's a good question, John, because, you know, How can they go abroad in high school, you know, like Riku? Can every high school student do that?、Mm. Possibly not. It's also expensive to do that, too, unless there's a direct exchange. But even before that, when they're kids, you know, I think this next generation of these, all of these students who've gone to study abroad, and I've noticed it with a lot of my students now who have kids, they actually embed. They do a lot of English work or English things and they use English at home with their kids. And because their parents, mom and dad, have now traveled to Canada or gone abroad to Australia, 
there are more opportunities for kids, I think, as from a young age to see the world, be open to new ideas and new ways of thinking. And, you know, I, I think it's going to change, but I don't know the education system itself. It's like Paul said a few times, is it's going to be a slow <laughs> progress and mm. it's going to be a slow systematic well, I, change. I think one of the challenges that the young learners in Japan face is this, We've talked about it before, so mm. forgive me for re being repetitive, but part of Japanese culture, one of the values is things like privacy. So, you know, you're taught, it's not that you're shy, but you're taught by, by parents, by teachers, by stories that you read, by movies and shows that you watch. You see this happening everywhere where people are encouraged not to talk to strangers, even though they're Japanese neighbors, they're strangers, they're outside of the, uh, you know, it's the Uchi Soto idea hmm. and they're outside. So if you don't change that, young people are always going to believe that they're shy and that strangers are scary and, and not to be talked to. So then what happens? Well, you don't practice your English and you don't hear it if that person is capable of speaking English, because part of learning language as Anish's program does so well is expose you and immerse you to the, to the language. And all the research about language acquisition, one of the keystone ideas is comprehensible input. You need to be exposed to authentic examples of a language that you can understand, but that challenges you. You know, the idea of I, your level plus one. So you understand it mostly, but there's some new words to learn from it. If you don't experience that, and a Japanese young person doesn't experience that, they don't hear Japanese around them. And maybe, worse yet, maybe their teacher doesn't really speak English that well. So they're not even getting a good example of English. Hmm. That's where I think people like you, Riku, are so valuable. Because if that young Japanese learner can't come to Canada and work with Anish in his program, or go to Fletcherwood, Flesherwood, whatever. Flesherton. <laughs> Flesherton, yeah. Um, yeah, you know, um, if, if you can't do that wonderful, exciting, go to those wonderful, exciting places. It's race basically that's the Las Vegas of Canada you were probably expecting, right? Flesherton. Anyway, if you can't if you can't go abroad and do yeah. that, where do you get your comprehensible input? Well, mm. you can get it from social media. You can. It's not ideal, but it's something is better than nothing, right? You can watch videos, you can watch your Instagram uh, post, you can watch lots of comprehensible input. Um, mm. And hopefully that as Anish says, slowly forces the change. Right. Because then a student's going to go, hey, I'm getting some English from, from social media. I want more, mom. Right. I want more school. Give me more. And they'll demand it and force the change. I hope. I always appreciate your perspective on that. And John, maybe you could speak to this a little bit too. Enrico, you know, when you're forced into that kind of situation, you know, everything's new for you, right? And one mm -hmm. of the things, and I think, Paul could speak to this, the, the idea of curiosity. And we do, I know we've talked about this, yeah. you know, building yes. curiosity, you know, that's my whole program is like, you, if we're meeting at this location, is this statue named after anyone or anything? Mm -hmm. Or, you know, what's he or she best known for? You know, just be curious. I have to like, we have to do it every single day because there's like, oh, I can just look it up or I don't care. I go, just ask different people. And they go, mm -hmm. I don't need to. Like, nan, nan de, nan, 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 nan. Just 
get out and start asking people. And of course, I have to lead as a role model and show them. But building curiosity is such mm-hmm. an important skill, right? Well, and teaching right. them how teaching people. A lot of students yes. don't grow up being taught to be curious. In fact, they may even grow up being taught not to be curious. They may mm-hmm. discourage it in their education. Like, don't ask the teacher questions. Right. Riku, when you're studying as a kid, did you ever hear that? Don't ask the teacher questions. The teacher tells you. (laughs) Right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. In my classes, I always, I tell students from the very beginning, I'm expecting you to ask me questions. What do you want to know? Mm -hmm. So speaking of asking questions and uh, the whole idea of talking to strangers and asking questions. Now, because I'm, I'm not sure how much you want to talk about. Well, I think you've mentioned it maybe a little bit on some of your social media. And, and then this was, reminds me of a story that you told me about how your curiosity has kind of led to you meeting someone who's very important right now and is leading to some changes that are coming up in your life very soon. If you can know what I'm talking haze about, haze in, haze in, <laughs> <laughs> about someone that special that you met, well, not that you met, and and uh, the story behind that, and and how English played a role in that. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Or, <laughs> <laughs> are you not comfortable? Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. <laughs> so I met my fiance like in Japan. So he was here for like teaching English for high schoolers. So he was like an ALT, you know, ALT? Mm-hmm. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And then he was uh, in Kumamoto to teach English. And uh, one day um, I was grocery shopping with my mom and he was also grocery shopping with his friends. And then actually my mom found him first. And then she told me, oh, there's a handsome guy over there. You should talk to him. I'm like, what, mom? Like, <laughs> I don't know him. But like, you know, I went to talk to him. And then we kind of like uh, talked a little bit and we exchanged our Instagram account. And after that, we went some dates and the like, rest is history. Yeah. <laughs> so what was your what was your pickup line, Rika? What did you say? Well, I really like your shirt or where are you from? Are you a foreigner? Where are you visiting from? Or Hey, yeah. your English is great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I said like hi, but like he didn't hear me. So like hi, hi, hi. And excuse me. <laughs> like I I said so many times. And then he right. turned around and smiled at me and like what made you like uh come to Japan or something? I asked something mm. like that. And then he said, and I thought he was like an exchange student from some other countries. And then are you an exchange student or something? And he said, Oh, actually I'm an English teacher in high school i'm like oh wow that's great and we talked a little things yeah i love that story riku because number one (laughs) um your mom saw him first which is great um you gotta forever thank her um but you had the confidence to approach someone and just start a conversation which is again the whole point of my program the basis of it is just taking that first step to just approach someone right now in the supermarket and just randomly talking to someone with no intention just hi 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 is is, is very unique we don't teach that method that riku method of hi 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 you um, should know but we might now the riku the riku's new method um you know if you're asking directions or if you're curious about you know i like your headphones you mind if i ask where you got them or i really like your dog or you know lots of different ways to start a conversation but that that first step 
of just asking the question or having some of those questions in your mind and the confidence to be able to ask them is just so great. And similar to your story, I've had so many female students in our program meet their fiancés and now husbands in Canada because they could start the conversation, but then they could continue the conversation. They knew follow-up questions, you know, and they learned that it really is just a tool, English, right, to order the food or, or find your future fiancé. <laughs> It's a new program, Riku. Come find your fiance using the hi 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 technique. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, since we since we asked Riku, why don't we share our stories? John, how did you meet your your wife? Well, your okay, that was yeah, that's an interesting thing. So uh basically this was when I knew I was going to be moving to Japan because I had decided, and this was when I was going to start my my teaching career. Uh, in in English, and I knew I knew the stories of people when they go over as English teachers, they kind of get stuck in a bubble and just stick around with other English teachers and don't you know don't communicate with the locals because they never learn the language or anything like that and 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 get kind of lonely. And so I just thought, okay, I I need to uh, I need, I want to meet some other people around there. So there was a, uh, a, now based around Tokyo, there was this, uh, this website, um, which was based from a magazine called Metropolis. I don't know if either of you guys yep. would know that. Okay. So Metropolis, right. Very famous, uh, basically English language magazine based around Tokyo. And they had a website, which was just for social, you know, for like social networking. This was, this was a number of years ago. So not, you know, like 2005, so not nearly as developed as social media is now, uh, so I got onto the board, a profile, not planning to date or anything and said, hey, I'm going to be here. I was going to, to Saitama and I'm going to be up in Saitama, just looking for people to meet. And uh, my wife was the only one to actually respond. <laughs> so, oh, nice. we, so we, uh, and, uh, so we talked and, and as, as you might know, she's, she's, she's Nikkei, she's from, you know, she's a Japanese descent, but from Argentina, she'd been there for a number of years, uh, in Japan for a bit. And, uh, you know, we just kind of met just as friends to, okay, she, she kind of took me a tour around parts of Tokyo and then we started dating and moved in together, got married. And yeah, that's, that's how it went basically. So, yeah. Anish, how about you? Um, interestingly enough, um, my my pro my partner actually took my program, and so she was equipped with all the right skills <laughs> to, to be able she used to. Focus like, she used all of her focus sentences, but <laughs> no, it's actually so. After she had graduated, she's like, you know, I used to be in insurance back in Japan. I loved helping people, and I, I kind of missed that, and and I want to be able to help people more. And at this time I had really just language coaches and something that I realized that she did really well was that she actually helped some of the other students in our program at the time. So she actually became our life coach for our students because as much as they can get language coaching, they actually needed like a lot of, you know, I'm, I'm, I miss home or, you know, I'm going through these struggles, a lot of mental mm -hmm. health support just in life in Japanese while they're here that they weren't getting from their agencies and other people. And so, and the fact that she had already been through the program, 
She completely could resonate and say, I've been in your shoes. I know how you feel. And so the past six years, she's helped hundreds of our students. And it's been like the greatest add-on to our program outside of just us being, me being a language coach. They got external support from my partner, which they could resonate and connect with. And so through all that process of working together and everything, we, we got to know each other really well, because when you work together, you know, you get to know each other. And just her insatiability or insatious or um, just her ability to help and, and, and support students really, you know, we struck a chord with me and we got to know each other. And here we are, you know, six years later. That's awesome. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you, Paul? Yes. Well, I, um, I met my now wife. Uh, we've been married now 12 years. When I met her, I wasn't a teacher. Um, and I went to a, an izakaya. We have, I live in Vancouver, Riku, on the west coast of Canada. And we have a lot of Japanese restaurants, a lot of izakaya. So I went to dinner one night myself downtown. And I went to the izakaya and it was very busy. And there was one seat and it wasn't at a table. It was at the dining bar up at the, the kitchen, right? An open kitchen. And it was right on the corner. So I sat in the, in, the, in the seat and everyone, there was maybe 10 people on my right. And I was on the edge. I was on the corner. And then here were the last three seats. And three young ladies were sitting here. So I'm on the corner. So I ordered a beer. And... Uh, the waitress brought me the menu. I started reading the menu. And as I was reading the menu, somebody reached over and took my beer and started drinking it. And, you know, that's, that's rude anywhere. <laughs> so I, I slowly did the old slow burn and I looked over to my left like, uh, and then I realized it was one of the three young ladies and she's just pounding my beer. And her two friends, of course, were just, horrified and they started apologizing to me oh i'm so sorry i'm so sorry our friend is so drunk she's a maniac we'll buy you another beer and i said oh it's okay it's okay she's enjoying it go ahead no problem i'm happy well that broke the ice and so we started the three of us started chatting and it turns out they were in canada to study english and uh not only that they uh said i said oh so what are you guys doing tonight you're out dining and they said oh yeah after dinner, we're going to go to uh, a pub where our classmate is having a birthday party. But it's in a very scary part of town. Um, and we heard it's really dangerous there. And then one of them got the idea and she said, oh, will you come, Mr. Paul, and be our bodyguard? And um, it's kind of funny because that was actually my profession then. I worked in the security business. I was a professional private mm -hmm. investigator and bodyguard. They didn't know that. And I said, you want me to be your bodyguard to go to the party? Okay, sure, whatever. I have nothing else to do tonight, so nothing planned. So I went, we walked all the way down, and it wasn't a kind of an older, dirty neighborhood, but not that bad. Um, and we went to this birthday party, and the crazy drunk girl who stole my beer, she was getting sick. So one of her friends took her to the lady's room to be sick. And that left me alone at our table with one young lady named Yuka. Well, Yuka's English is pretty good. And she started chatting with me and we had a really nice conversation. So we exchanged email addresses. There was no Instagram. And uh, we started um, dating. And actually, while we started dating, 
I started helping her with her English homework. Mm. And she said, oh, you're so good at this. You should be an English teacher. That's why I became an English teacher because wow. I met my wife. Yeah. yeah. So what I tell that story to my students and I mm. tell them the, the, the lesson of that story is, is that, as Anna says, that stranger, maybe some big scary looking guy sitting at a, a, alone at the bar, like what's wrong with this guy? That stranger could be your best friend or your husband mm. or your wife. Mm -hmm. you, you don't know until you start communicating, right? And you don't know how that person will change your life. Her, Meeting those three young ladies right. changed my life. It turned me into a teacher. So you I didn't end up with the maniac then. That's what I was thinking. We're all thinking like, he ended up with a drunk maniac. What? No. No. <laughs> no, it's funny because the drunk maniac is essentially the icebreaker. She's our matchmaker. She was the matchmaker. So when we finally got married, we tried to find her and invite her to the wedding, but she's disappeared into the... Uh, my, so my what's the lesson here, Riku? Always have a friend, a drunk maniac friend. <laughs> That's the lesson. <laughs> to, go to, to a bar. Always, always go out with the icebreaker. <laughs> my, my wife, Yuka, is a little more reserved. She's a sure. little... Uh, a little more um, straight and serious. She needed the drunk friend. Other, they, they would never have spoken to me mm. otherwise. Mm. But I'm so grateful that they did. So it doesn't even matter how you break the ice. Right. right. Focus sentences, steal someone's yeah. beer, um, whatever yeah. it takes, I guess. Exactly. But that's, so that's, anyways, that's my story. As we talk about how we've met all of our partners and what we're doing next with our partners, possibly Riku in the future. What are your plans? What are your goals? What's what's next? What projects do you have that you're excited about right now? I know because of your following and a lot of the great posts, you've been doing a lot of collaborations with different people. Mm. I met Riku a couple of months ago. And we, I said, I got to jump on a call with her. And she's like, I'm going to be going to the States. And I'm like, oh. okay, here you are. And I go, she's like, I want to learn how to become a language coach and make maybe not Hazen, which is where your, <laughs> your fiance is from, um, in North Dakota, right? Uh-huh, right. And I go, yeah, I'm not sure if you want to go there and make the city your classroom. But she's like, but I want to be able to do this. And it's like, okay, here we go. So I'm excited about your future, number one, Riku. But what are you most excited about right now? And what does your future look like in your mind? Um, so I finally got a visa, like a fiance visa last month. And then, yeah, yeah. So I'm going to move to the States next January, like really soon. This so coming so January. Yeah, oh, yeah. wow. So pretty soon. So I'm so excited about it. And I'm so excited to meet my fiance, of course. And we're planning to have like a little trip, you know. So I'm so excited about it too. And also like I have some friends in the States. So maybe like we can meet up sometimes and stuff like that. I'm so excited. And uh, soon I'm going to start the YouTube channel, I'm thinking. And I can share with like a lot of people about like my life in America or like how American people live life or like, or my, like our, you know, relationship with my fiance and stuff like that. You know, it's going to be fun. Yeah, that's, exciting. that's exciting. Yeah. Whoa. Um, I love that just because your life is going to be, you know, you're, you're living your life, but you're also teaching others about, you know, life abroad and you know what is it like to be with a foreigner also and 
you know, I think you're also going to be able to introduce an interesting part of the states that most people don't know about. <laughs> um, kind of like Flesherton. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> it kind of is. Um, but that's very exciting. Do you have a lot of experience with YouTube, or or do you know do you know how to make that work? Uh, well, you'll learn it anyway because you're really good online, so you'll figure it out. Um, but you're going to be going to North Dakota in January, so yeah. <laughs> I don't envy you. It's pretty cool. Yeah, that's quite there. a bit different weather-wise, I think. Yeah. So. <laughs> mm. Do you like snow? Nice. Not really. Not yet. Not yet. (laughs) Not yet. Not yet. Um, So you guys are going to go on a mini possible honeymoon or little trip, which is exciting. Yeah, exciting. Um, And so what do you see uh, as, I guess, the the next big step after the YouTube channel and becoming a language coach? Um, I guess that's really it. There's really nothing else after that yet. We have to wait and see, right? Right. Wow. What what kind of things would you like to try? Would yeah. you like to do? Um, YouTube like a channel, private coaching, coaching, YouTube channel coaching, coaching yeah. and or like a group lessons too. And mm-hmm. also like I want to make like a videos so that like a lot of people can see. So like, you know, I don't have to teach. You know, the video can like uh, teach a lot of people. So that maybe mm-hmm. like you know more people can reach. You know. Well, maybe you could make a course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or maybe it could be a relationship course. How to survive (laughs) with a a Gaikokujin, (laughs) you know. Step one. Except that once you get to South Dakota, you're the foreigner, not your husband. Exactly. Right. Maybe that's lesson one. (laughs) You are the foreigner. (laughs) Week week one, how to survive the cold um, Mm. or how to meet with parents or speak with parents. It could be, this is a whole lot of options for language of all the English language around snow and, you know, snow activities. That could be a whole lesson, right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, so (laughs) one other thing I was wondering, uh, Riku, you know, of course we've been asking you lots of questions and asking questions Mm. to each other. Do you have any questions for us? Yeah. Um, (laughs) So, um, what's you guys' advice for me or like people who wants to be an English coach? I'll start. I would okay. say number one, um, and something that we've kind of learned about me more recently is find your niche. Like, what exactly is does Riku do? Like, I'm gonna only target all of these other, you know. Japanese women who now have fiancés or in a you know difficult time with culture and families and relate like what's what's going to be your your niche? What are you really going to focus on as opposed to just being a a generalized um, coach? Uh, you could also make the city your classroom, but yeah, I think figuring out that that niche and number two is surround yourself with other supportive, like-minded people who you know, are there to support you and, and, and guide you and possibly find a mentor, someone who's like, you can just follow what they're doing if you really love what they're doing. And um, that's usually the most successful people do that, in my opinion. Yes. So to add to that, mm-hmm. what I would say, and this is adding on what we talked about, about being curious, is listen to your 
whether you call them students or clients, and listen to what it is that they're they're looking for. And sometimes they don't even necessarily know that them entirely themselves, but in terms of when they talk about what kinds of problems they're having, mm. right, and and the issues, and 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 be able to whatever you decide to teach them, then focus on that. Sometimes it's very easy to, okay, well, I'll, I'll teach uh, some grammar, I'll teach some vocabulary. And, and I think that this is something that maybe many teachers sometimes get into the pattern because that's easy to do because there are so many resources that are available for that. But if you can create something, like we said, like Anesh said, you have a niche and then really listen to what it is they need, you know. So if it is if it is something as specific as as Japanese women who've married foreigners, and you know, who knows? Maybe there could be a real market for that. And obviously, you would know yourself. But what what do other ones say when you get into speaking with them and and hearing what they have to say, and really just being curious in that way? I would yeah. say is really important. Yeah. And yeah. And 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 listen to what their problems are before you start giving advice. Because there's always an instinct to just, oh, okay, do this, do this, this. Really listen to them. It's a great That's piece of point. advice, John. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I, I get feedback from students all the time every year for the last 12 years. But if it's consistent feedback and it's similar, okay, that means it's time to change something or maybe add something that was missing to it. So definitely great advice, John. Mm -hmm. yeah. All right. Paul? I, uh, just kind of something that, that both of what you just said reminds me of when I first started teaching, there was a kind of senior teacher. And he, to be honest with you, he was a bit of a jerk. He wasn't very nice to me. Um, wasn't very welcoming or, or uh, encouraging or supportive. But he did give me a piece of advice that really stuck. He said, um, if you want to be a great teacher, if you want to be a great teacher, not everyone does, um, listen to your students. They will mm -hmm. tell you how to teach. They will tell you what they need to know. Don't just force information on them. So it's kind of like what you're saying, you know, listen to them, inquire, focus on them, because your job is to solve a problem for them, right? To, uh, to give them what they need, whatever it is. Um, and, and maybe you can't, maybe that's not what you do best. So you uh, refer them to someone else, but your job is to solve mm -hmm. some kind of problem for them. Because if you can, they'll pay you money for it, like anything, right? If you want your car fixed, you take it to a mechanic. So hmm. you, you like John says, and Anna says, you have to pay attention to your students. It's not about you. It is about them. And I know that because I make videos and I do a live show, and it looks like it's all about me. And I struggle with it because I don't like being the center of attention. I don't like having the camera on me and the lights on me. But I have to because I'm the teacher. But even though... I'm the center of the attention on the screen. I still try to make everything I do about the student. What is it that they want to know? What is, the, what is it that I can help them with? And you can't always, right? And that's where you need a community of uh, other people and colleagues that you can, you can refer them to. But I try to make everything I do about that student, mm -hmm. even my private students. And here's the result, Riku, that you should kind of strive for if, if you want to be a good coach or a good teacher or a good anything working with people is if you focus on them, the customer, the student, the learner, the whatever, 
you're, you're dealing with. If you focus on them, you'll be great because you'll be giving them what they want and what they want to pay for. And guess what happens? If that happens, they refer you to other people and you get new students. If you don't, if you don't do a great job and if you don't focus on them, they'll know it, right? They'll know it and they won't refer you. And that's important, Riku, because when you're an independent coach, you have to find your own students. They don't just mm. flock to you, right? You don't just post something and then suddenly you have a thousand requests for, hey, I want to I wanna pay you $200 an hour to be my coach. It doesn't mm. necessarily happen. So mm. I think the number one thing I would say to you is just be great at what you do by focusing on your student. Right? Your students and also your strengths. Like, what do you yeah. love to do, right, Riku? Yeah. Like, I love talking to strangers now. So mm -hmm. I want to be the person to motivate and, and like figure out what you really love to. Maybe you just yeah. love making Instagram videos. And so you want to, you know, teach people how to use Instagram and TikTok for English when they go abroad. Or, you know, it could be anything. But if you find mm -hmm. that passion, that love, I really love doing this. I could do this every day, all day. Um, people like, Anna, you're outside, you know, five hours a day with students walking around. And it's like, aren't you tired? I'm like, no, because I have no idea what the next conversation is going to be like. I'm so excited for my students to fail because that's part of their learning. That's part of having this growth mindset, right? So that excites me every day. So if you wake up excited to do something and you're going to love it and you have experience and that's your strength, your students will be like, they'll gravitate towards yeah. you. You'll be good at so. it too, because you're going to mm -hmm. be so passionate. You'll be doing it all the time. Mm. Nah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Thank you. yeah. So I think uh, our time, we're starting to come up to a close. So before we finish up, Miku, is there any, any last things you want to leave the, the audience here? Maybe about uh, projects you have going on? Well, you've already mentioned the YouTube yeah. channel, but anything else, any other message that you want to just leave, leave off mm. with? Um, check out my Instagram account. And TikTok. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And of course. All those links in the description. Yes. Oh, yes. So. And we'll share those. Yep. They're all down this way, along with our own, of course, our links as well. So thanks for coming on. Uh, yeah. Thanks for having me. It was great having you here and hearing your stories and hearing about all your videos and, and everything that's coming up and, and, and that move uh, around the world, mm. halfway around the world. That's really exciting. I and, think, I think yeah. this warrants possibly a next episode with Riku in maybe one year. And we're going to mm -hmm. challenge you to see what the most popular English language coach, coach in North America, Riku with her height, height, height method. And, you know. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Um, you're going to take it over. So we're excited to have you back yeah. again in the future and see all Yay. your progress. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. All yes. right. Yes. And speaking of, our, of the, Ego Education Podcast. Of course, if you're watching this, you may be watching this on YouTube or listening to this on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever have you. Just keep in mind that, uh, well, I guess this is going to be the last episode for 20, possibly the last episode for 2021, but we'll nice. be uh, coming back after the holidays. We've got a number of other guests lined up, so be mm -hmm. sure to keep an eye on our feeds, the YouTube channel the uh, we're on spotify of course the spotify feeds apple podcast feeds and anchor fm 
for everything that's coming up. And uh, for our own projects, of course, uh, well, speaking for myself, as I mentioned, uh, the videos for, through Talisman about Business English, more are coming up along the way. And of course, going to be hosting that uh, room for WeChat Global on the 17th in Clubhouse. So excited about that. And possibly some other announcements related to intercultural training, but uh, I won't say too much about that for now. And of course, uh, Paul, you've got some stuff coming up. I was just going to, yeah, John, the links to the Talisman videos and your clubhouse, can we get those? Uh, Absolutely. Or do we have them already? Uh, I'm going to I'm going to share those. So so if you're watching this by now, you should see the links down below right now because okay. I'm going to share right. those. Yes. Thank you. Awesome. Okay. Uh, well, I have my weekly Friday live show. Uh, you can always tune into that Hard Boiled English Live Fridays at 7 p.m. Pacific time. So if you're in Toronto or the East, that's three hours later. Hmm. Figure it out. Get a get a <laughs> get a time uh, converter app. Exactly. Uh, and if you're Japan, that's Saturday morning. I do know that. So that's every Friday night. I have new videos coming out on my channel. Um, there's a, like I said earlier, there's um, a course I'm developing that'll be available. Looks like January. Uh, yeah, and then coaching my students. So anyone wants private coaching, all of us are available. Um, you can uh, take your pick depending on what you need. And nice. how about you? Well, so I'm going to do my um, quick, usual post mm -hmm. of our my pitch of the new paradigm of education. So if you really are a teacher, you're frustrated with the education system as, oh, John's got it ready. Paul's got it in the background. There you go. Look at the support. Riku, doko? Yeah, you know, the new paradigm of education, great Christmas gift um, for anyone living in Hazen or um, Kumamoto, <laughs> or any other <laughs> educators you might know. Um, it's an amazing, inspirational book, uh, and I've been a proud contributing author of it. And that's it. Paul will also put the link down below, I guess. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Or just click on my link and you'll get it. Um, and that's it for me. All right. Well, thank you again, Riku, for being such a great guest. And thanks, everyone, for joining us for the uh, last episode of 2021. And as we said, there's a lot of stuff coming up on in 2022. So saying goodbye to everyone. Thank you for listening, for watching, and happy holidays and happy new year. And see Yay. you in 2022 for a new season of the Ego Education Podcast. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. Bye.